0: Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labjie. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. Question today is what does it, what does it mean? What does it look like to be authentic?
1: I think not putting on a facade. It's interesting because I had a, a very different work persona than my home persona, so my work persona was confident and, you know, clear and communicative and, you know, a little powerful because I'm a competitor at home, I was beat down and miserable and wouldn't say anything, wouldn't decide anything, so I I had these two completely separate identities and I think I was probably, well, (laughs) I don't even know which one was authentic at the time. It's easier to be all confident and comfortable in your skin,
2: for me, in the workplace,
1: because I'm a worker bee, so that's what I can mm.
2: Interesting. Well, I agree with you on that, Sue, and I think part of it, too, is for me, I can have more confidence in the workplace because, one, I'm in a position that I'm very comfortable with and the knowledge needed to do it, but also, there's no real personal level, you know, I I don't share my personal life with my coworkers much. It's, I'm here to work. I'm here to get a job done. I'm here to do this. It takes a very long time before I share what I do outside of work with my coworkers. And then when I do, it's just with the very small group. So I kind of have that same thing. But for me, the authentic is, it, it don't feel like I'm being inauthentic at work. I just have a narrower part of myself that I share at work. Um, but for me, authentic is just being true to myself and doing what I say I'm going to do, basically.
3: Good. Good insights. Mm-hmm. Like, I-, I, will, I will give you some feedback of what was in my head, but it's probably wrong because I just say what's on my heart, on my mind. So uh, I can being be, be authentic. My, being, authentic uh, being authentic. There you go. So, you know, the struggle between what uh, Sue said, you know, I'm a different person at home at work that's because the people at home know everything about you down to the, well, assuming you have a spouse, the naked truth. So so to speak, you know, uh, the people at work, like Cindy said, you don't share your all, they don't know everything about you. So in some ways you could say, well, I only show them what I want them to see of me or what I'm willing to share of myself or whatever. So in some ways, like there's a bit of a dichotomy there. I get what Cindy was saying. Like, yeah, like I have, I do have tight relationship with some people and they know almost everything about me and there's others I don't share anything because maybe there's not trust or whatever. So, um, yeah, so you could say to a certain degree that Sue might be having more difficulty with the people that know everything about her because she has, it's harder to live up to everything when everybody knows everything about you. Or is that work? You, know, you don't share everything. So maybe I'm hiding parts I don't want them to see. So maybe I'm not being authentic. So I'm not picking on YouTube. I'm just saying that's where my my analytical thing goes. It's like, yeah, am I being authentic or am I not being authentic? Good
0: insight, Steve. Yeah, the question is, what does authenticity mean? And
4: what does it look like, especially in the workplace? I just put a quote in there from uh, Bob Berg, uh, his book, The Go-Giver. It says, uh, the law of authenticity. The most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself and who is yourself. And he's not saying that you got to share every secret, deep deep and dark and dirty secret about yourself with everybody. No. And that's interesting. I, I see that conversation going that way. And when I was listening to that, again, Steve, for the first time, I was actually pondering and analyzing, sort of just speaking out. I was thinking that's more vulnerability as opposed to authenticity. And thoughts are on that
0: it's going to say the same thing
4: yeah okay so what does authentic mean to us then
0: yeah what's let's define authenticity what is what does it mean not a trick question <laughs>
5: <laughs> for me it's probably uh someone who's genuine down to earth someone who's uh trustful and, and loyal, and uh authentic um uh, not a faker a lot of fake news out there right now. So definitely not faking. <laughs> Good.
4: I like that. I like that.
3: I had to go look up Mister Google's definition of authenticity. On authenticity. It <laughs> is, uh, put simply, authenticity means you're true to your own personality, values, and spirit, regardless of the pressure that you're under to act otherwise. You're honest with yourself and with others, and you take responsibility for your mistakes. You're are your mistakes, your values, ideals, and actions aligned.
0: Interesting. So alignment was uh, a key word that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Another word I think that, that, that word means to me is congruence.
3: And we have to look up that one to see what it means. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to, it's Congruence is basically it to be the same uh, integrity is another way to look at it. Be the same person on the inside, All the time. you are on the outside, right? You're, you're you've got congruence your fluidity you're the same
1: that's been super important in my career with sales i would be completely unable to sell something that i don't believe in Mm -hmm. that i need to be kind of proud of what i sell and really believe it and then once i believe it it's just easy for me to to share the belief with others and therefore end up being quite successful at sales mm-hmm. always. If we I have the were to take know. a job that I did not trust or care for or really believe that it was a better solution for my clients, that would be being inauthentic. That would be in not no longer in congruence with my values, and therefore I would suck at it. And I, I wouldn't do it. And I have quit jobs where I felt that I was no longer living congruently to my values and ended up quitting. So that's really important to me in the job market to, you know, in in a career to be able to uh, be my authentic self in alignment with my book, Morals and Values. Good, too. So I like
4: the word congruent. In the past, I've shared uh, Thomas Cooley's quote. You "No, know, we have limiting beliefs. We have, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't belong, whatever those limiting beliefs are. And when possibly when we have that, are we showing up authentically when we're trying to cover ourselves with that limiting belief? If I'm not feeling I'm good enough, then I'm trying to prove myself to that I am good enough to others. Am I authentically showing up? You know, his quote, I'll just share the screen. Oh, uh, once Kevin allows me to share the screen. Yeah, I might be able to do that. It's controlling you again. Uh, I'm a competitor, not a controller. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Thomas Dooley says, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Now, when you start looking at that, where does congruency and authenticity come into play? It might be too early in the morning for a tongue twist or quote like this, but uh, it really resonates as we were talking. You know, you said the word uh, congruency. That's, this one hit me right away. And I know for a fact, for me, when I had, I still have those limiting beliefs and know how to manage them. But when that hits me, am I actually being who I am at that point? I'm going to read it again.
0: I, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. That is a tongue twister. So back to your question, if, if you're one way at home or outside of work and you're a different way, if you, if you behave differently in, you know, the work environment, does that make you inauthentic?
6: What are your thoughts? This is my first time on the call here. So, being at home, you have to look after your family, your kids. Because if you don't look after them, they're not going to be happy or successful in life. They're not going to be there. And then back to running a business, growing people up, rather than pushing them down, you become more successful. That's what I have done for a long time. Like, raise people up. If you don't help them, become not everybody's going to be managers, but you need team members to be productive and make yourself successful, because they're the ones that make you successful. Like I always said to people, and I, I hate to say this again every time I talk to people, Wayne Gretzky used to score so many goals, but he didn't take the puck by himself from one end to the other. He had everybody work for him to get the puck to him. He took the shot and scored a goal. Everybody remembers him, but they don't remember all the team members. So, the team members make you successful. The higher you go, the greater the return. So, you raise your people up and not just be a boss. A boss is somebody that just sits in his office, looks at numbers. They don't even know the name of the people that are working with him, not for him.
0: Good. That's good, Nasir. It's good. Totally agree, too. Being a boss is uh, is it's really important to lift your people up to really empower your people. But back to back to the the last question, just let's really flesh that out even further. If you have a set of behaviors or one you you operate one way at home and you operate differently at work, are you being inauthentic?
2: No, because we go back to uh, what um, that definition was that Steve read to us about your values and being true to them. So just because I don't sing and dance and skip through the office, but I do that with my kids when they were little, you know, I'm still being authentic in both places. It's just my audience is different. So my actions are going to be different. Yeah. I mean, I anybody with young kids, I, I think you uh, <laughs> can relate to being different at work and being different at home. But I don't feel inauthentic in either place. And I have different circles of friends too, that I do different stuff with and discuss different things with them that I wouldn't discuss maybe with another group, So, it, but that's, that's who that audience is for me. And that's well, where I'm at. Sure.
5: Well put. Any other thoughts on that? I'll just echo what was said there. I feel yeah, you're, when you, when you go to work, you're obviously you have more of a professional facade and you're dealing you know, with a different audience than you're your house and your household and your kids and your family. So but you do you, you still are yourself in your home. You're 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 messing around playing around with the kids. You probably do things that you wouldn't do in work in terms of how silly you can be sometimes with the kids. But uh when you go to work, you're still authentic. you're still you're you're still professional. You're still going about your your job as a leader in the same way. You bring some of those skills, I feel, home as well that you can that can tr- transfer those skills into your in into your home place as well, which is uh which is a bonus. Yeah, I
7: agree with Cindy and I feel like I'm the same person in both places. My wife is an introvert. You'd never know it. She's very extroverted in the workplace, but at home often she needs that space to just sort of be more of an introvert. So I don't think it's unauthentic to show up to work as a little more extroverted to be that leader that you need to be but to give yourself the space when you're in your you know, home life. Now, one of my colleagues, I felt struggled with this very much in that at work, he was a totally different person than he was in his personal life. And I always encouraged him to be a little more authentic at work. Like he loves Michael Jordan and he loves Air Jordan shoots, but at work, he had the bow tie on and he was like perfectly put together. And I, I encouraged him to bring in your authentic self to work, it's going to be so much easier for you to operate. And he found that and it's fun to watch him now because he's just an extraordinary leader, uh, being his authentic self at work. Adam, let me, uh, let me ask
0: you further on that scenario. When he was wearing the bow tie and like perfectly put together and you, you challenged him to be, to bring his authentic self. Would you say that the perfectly put together person was more of a facade? If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now back to the program.
7: It was, and that was the barrier. Like you could see in his performance and the way he was interacting with people, that there was something that was forced it was unnatural. And he did, I mean, he was very successful he, at what he was doing. But from the time that he identified being his authentic self all the time at work to where he is today, he grew tremendously. You know, when someone is putting on an act, there, you can feel it. Like, you know, there's something going on there. And I think naturally, just as, as humans, we, we know when someone's doing that. And we will gravitate to people who are not doing that. People who are more vulnerable and authentic on a regular basis. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the
0: clarification. In fact, <laughs> I'm thinking about you know, my generation. I'm in the older generation that, uh, came from the fake it till you make it, put on the facade. And you know, another term that was from that generation is the, uh, stuff shirt, right? It's like. I don't know where that came from originally. I don't know why there was that mindset where you have to pretend to be somebody else at work and be this more stoic or be this more all put together person, otherwise you won't advance, but you hit the nail on the head. Cause I think that's kind of the basis for the question today is what does it really look like to be authentic and can you be authentic at work alluded to the fact that you can, Adam, I like that.
3: Kevin. Just, I don't know if you've read the book, the new kind of diversity it talks about the different generations and at place in the workplace. You should read this book. It's really good. It might actually answer your question about why people are stoic in different generations and things. The talks breaks down, you know, if there's five, five or six different generations in the workplace and you know, the boomers versus the millennials, the gen Z, et cetera. That's a really good book, by the way. Um, where I'm struggling on this whole conversation is what we're talking a lot about is external behavior right? It's like what people see. But I think, I don't know how to explain this exactly, but I, I think that if we look back to the definition of authenticity about your own personal values, spirit, I mean, that's authenticity is that whatever you do, whether it's an external expression of Air Jordan shoes or or not, like you still got to be true to your your values and spirit. And again, it says, regardless of the pressure you underact otherwise. So I'm struggling here with the idea that authenticity is not necessarily tied to your external actions it's more about your what you know your guiding principles let's put it that way like can you stay true to your guiding principles whether you're being happy sad mad glad having a good time a bad time or other but can in the midst of whatever it is can you still be true to those things right and that's why I'm kind of struggling with this conversation a little bit I don't have to I love that.
0: With- no, I love that, Steve. Well, let's let's break that open and let's find out. Let's what is uh, what what are, for the rest of you? What are your thoughts on Steve's conundrum? There is is authenticity tied to behavior, or are they two completely separate conversations?
3: There's the conundrum <laughs> nobody knows. <laughs> well,
4: and everybody's Steve, thinking about I, it. I think you know. As Stephen, before you said that, I, I was going to go. up and say, if we're leading or being ourselves with a guard and protecting ourselves from being really shown, are we being authentic? And Kevin, I want to put you on the spot, right? You're a competitor, and you, we and I had this conversation a couple of days ago, and I know who you are as a person. You're a very kind, gentle human being. But sometimes when you're being in a the, in the competitor mode, focused on work, it doesn't show up that way. And is that authentic? I don't think it is. <laughs> Sue's got her hand up. <laughs> You're on mute, Sue. Um,
1: oh, I just said me too.
4: <laughs> yeah. And that's so, is that are is that who we actually are? And what are we actually trying to portray to the people? And Adam, when you said that bow tie, well, if you look on the website, you know, I hate looking at my own website because all of my pictures are with bow ties and all these fancy shirts and stuff like that. And as you can tell, it's hoodies and a, T-shirt now, and that's who I feel most, most comfortable in. Now I, I understand when I need to get on stage, I might need to dress up a bit more, but I feel a lot more comfortable here, but I was doing that for the image I had to portray. So letting the guards down, do we become more authentic is a question.
7: It leads me to think about vulnerability <laughs> and, um, the importance of being vulnerable to be a good leader. Because when you're vulnerable, people are, they gravitate to you because they know you're being authentic and open with them. It really is the more authentic you are, the the better you are as a leader in my, in my opinion, or a communicator. Like, 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 you know, I, I get the point about the bow tie and dressing up to be on stage and that's acceptable, but you're, you're authentic even when you're wearing that, so it doesn't. <laughs> it, if you weren't authentic, it it wouldn't come off the way it 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 should.
4: I appreciate that. I mean, I think that's that's from dropping the guards. If you remember my story when I did bikini, what I said, I asked people how I showed up, and they said I showed up as a pompous ass before, because mm-hmm. of the guards that I was cur- I was I was holding on to right. So uh, you know, it's interesting, and uh, our styles sometimes show up that way as well, and that that's where. I want to just dis- discuss this is that the guards that we have, the facades, the, what we're carrying on to, what we're holding on to, what we need to show up as, are we being authentic to ourselves first of all? And Steve, I love what you said. It's not the external factors. It's starting from inside, letting go of the inside guards and inside who we are to show up as the real, real authentic person. And we may not even know who that is yet. It doesn't matter what age we're at.
3: I think that, you know, for, for me, that comment, Licky, where that lands is that like Jim Collins in his book, you know, Good to Great or whatever, he talks a lot about vulnerability as a leader. And sometimes it's painful to bury your soul with your team, but, you know, sometimes it's just uh, maybe something we all got to learn from, learn how to do a bit better or something. Uh, that's kind of where that comment takes me.
1: Kind of begs the question then, it, does authenticity... Is it directly tied to vulnerability? Mm. I don't make that tie, but it's interesting about the kind of facade. I guess I can wear a three piece suit and walk into a boardroom and be a very different person than I am at work. At work, I may be the competitor. So I do have the, I do have a bit of the, you know, I'm working, don't bug me face. Every now and then,
0: I don't know what you're talking but, about. <laughs>
1: but i i i am I'm more apt to think I've got my "don't bug me" face on and and change that nowadays. But um, when I'm in the three piece suit in the boardroom, I'm going to drop a lot of the things that I do around here. I am goofy, and I go around and and uh, bug all the people in the in the place every now and then. And when I'm letting my competitor style down <laughs> and decide to be more human, um so people know me as goofy and jovial and and happy and and that is that is authentic for me. When I'm in a three piece suit and walking into a wardroom, I'm going to be less authentic because I'm not a really a kind of a stuffy boardroom kind of person but i can put on that facade when i need to so going back to steve's comment about the external necessarily going with the internal i mean my values and my morals that part of authenticity is intact but the straight pure professionalism and stuff would be a facade that i would wear for that occasion that makes sense
0: I love what you said too, and it ties into what Licky's comment was about the, my stoic face, by the way, (laughs) that competitor face. I love the the term. I think I'll steal that and continue to use it for myself. Um, but I think you hit on a, a real key point here and Cindy brought it up earlier in the conversation about being authentic, even though Cindy, you're different at home than you are at work and you're still authentic at work right? Sue, so because you put on the three-piece suit and you go into the boardroom, does that mean you're inauthentic? Or does it mean that you're adapting to the environment, adapting to the needs of the audiences? I think Cindy put it, you know, uh, does that make you inauthentic? And if, well, go back to Adam's um, person, the, uh, the bow tie and the perfect put-together person, Maybe they were being inauthentic. And what's the fine difference between that person and your description, what you said, Sue, and what Cindy said, is it maybe just the lack of vulnerability, the lack of connection, the lack of somebody being able to know you. So you're hiding behind, as Licky put it, the guard. You're hiding behind the facade. You intentionally are having this facade. And people can't know you. So therefore that's not authentic, but if you are connecting and you still have your facade, if you want to call it that for a second, because you have to dress up or you have to be a certain way at a certain meeting or certain, you know, social environment, I wonder, I wonder if it's okay to have different behaviors, different outward appearances if necessary based on environment and still be authentic,
4: what do you think? I'm just, I was listening to Sue. See, you you asked a question before you started that comment about vulnerability and authenticity. Now, what about the question being vulnerable to yourself as opposed to the outside world? And looking and being vulnerable to yourself to say, okay, I I am holding on to this. I do have this start. And being real with yourself. Vulnerability not necessarily has to be that you have to share what you're dealing with, except for within yourself. This is that whole self-awareness conversation where are we even aware that we have a guard? Are we even aware that we have this limiting belief to show up authentic? And as we start peeling the onions about self-awareness, maybe that's when we start becoming more authentic. Kevin, why do you pick such a heavy topic on the Thursday morning at park? <laughs> it's an authentic topic. <laughs> it's, it's the, what's the topic over, over at Tequila at 8, 8, 8 p.m. <laughs> Now, he has to brings up a tequila bottle, that's right.
0: <laughs> it's not a tequila bottle for those who are listening to the podcast, by the way. <laughs> uh, no, this is exactly why we're here. Uh, the Licky is a good point because uh, there's a lot of questions, right? That we don't really have these kind of conversations in the workplace. You know, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of us who would love our bosses to have more of these conversations and let's get real and let's have authentic connection and You know, let's, let's build a workplace that we're excited to go to every morning, willing to give 110% of our energy to, right? So I love everybody's input on this. And I love the, uh, I love the fact that even in our quiet moments, everybody's pondering these really deep questions. Like, how do we really, how do we answer these questions? How do we, you know, activate these, these answers into our lives at work and frankly at home, right? Let me throw out another twist. I was watching, A survivor episode. I love that program, by the way, because it's all social interaction. And a it's an experiment in social interaction. Fascinating. Somebody was being a real jerk. There's always one in every episode. And, and they acknowledged that this is just, this is who I am like it or not. Now you all probably know somebody at work either presently or in past work, uh, experiences who have had that kind of attitude, right? They're just not a good person to be around. They weren't, you know, they were a Debbie Downer, if you will. They, and they knew it and they continue just to be that way. Now, is that the kind of authenticity we're talking about?
2: Well, why wouldn't it be? I mean, you didn't say we have to get along with people as being authentic or be nice to people or smell good, or, you know, we'll have a certain appearance we just as a group of leaders recognize that it's necessary to enable the people you're talking to you know that to get along with them there's sometimes we have to adapt our behavior it doesn't mean we're not being authentic to ourselves it just means we're communicating to them in a way that they can hear us i mean we talk about that a lot here Mm -hmm. um you know and i know that about myself i was just having lunch with two of my coworkers. And they both commented that when I first started working here, they're like, man, she must not be very happy or not like this place. But the fact of the matter is, is I am very short with my answers. I'm very to the point. It's I don't use a lot of extra words, you know, and I'm that's and even when I first started a job, I totally know that about myself. I mean, it's one of those things. Well, what, you know, when somebody says what what's um, something you're working on in an interview, you know, that's always what I'm working on is how I communicate with people because I don't want to come across as short, and curt. But that is my natural tendency. So I know that in order to communicate to people, sometimes I have to talk to them differently. Sometimes I have to say good morning first and how was your weekend and all of those other things and listen and respond appropriately. But that's not my nature. I mean, I am I am truly an introvert. All my energy is used at work. I need absolutely need downtime when I get home. If I don't have a long enough drive home, which right now I don't. So yes, you have be, that person could still be authentic and, but it's not going to work in a workplace, you know.
7: Thanks. Thank you, Cindy. A lot of nodding heads to that, Cindy. I struggle with the same thing. Like I, I care about my team deeply. If something happens in their life, I'm, you know, I'm ripped to shreds. But nine times out of ten, I'd much rather talk about what we need to get done than talk about what they did on the weekend. <laughs> and I, I genuinely care about you know their personal life, but I'm in the workplace. I'm so competitive, and I think that's where Sue was probably nodding, is that it's like okay, we're running this race. Like, uh, can can you tell me about your weekend as we we walk to the next part of our day together? <laughs> It's tough.
4: I'm gonna to put all your competitors in a room with me and I'm gonna use some training about how to really connect with people.
0: Yeah. You better do it in bullet points or we're not
4: gonna <laughs> <laughs> Alicia smiley. That helps.
0: I do it way more often than you realize. <laughs> but every now and then I have to remember and like Cindy or like Sue said, I have to remind myself, oh, I got my competitor face on. <laughs> And that was really uh, well put, Adam and Cindy, uh, same, same thing. So let me rephrase my question. What I'm trying to get at is, uh, is this. Here's a scenario. In fact, this might just help me rephrase the question, or you might be able to rephrase it for me. Like I've heard, and a lot of times, a lot of times it might be a stretch. At the times I've heard this, it's come from the younger generation. Well, I'm just being true to myself. You know, then that's their definition of authenticity, which there's some truth in that. But is that appropriate? Maybe that's a better way to say it. You can know who you are, or at least think you do. You know, you could be alienating everybody. And just because you're authentic, does that mean it's appropriate? If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now back to the program.
1: And I've got two perfect examples. Um, I have a friend who's now passed, but she was the most negative person I have ever seen in my entire life. You would say, what a beautiful day. She'd say, yeah, it's probably going to rain this afternoon. That was absolutely her authentic self. And at work, nothing was ever right. And people did completely avoid her. And her career never amounted to really anything. And it was because she could not get out of being her authentic self to be a little more tolerable in the workspace. And the other is right here our receptionist is young and often. 100% hundred percent completely inappropriate over place. Some of the things she sends to her customers, I just I sit in my office and I just laugh. It's just like, oh my God, I can't believe she just said that. She needs a mentor, but uh, you know, it's it's really not a, not appropriate for me to get involved. And so I just giggle at some of the stuff. And I'm wondering if it's a maturity thing that that you would just you know, mature into, with a good mentor, mature into a more appropriate, you can be authentic, but I think that there needs to be in the workplace some kind of boundary where you keep some of that stuff. Like Cindy said, you're one way at work and you're another way at home. I think that you could be authentic to maybe moral values, just not authentic to your raunchy self because Your raunchy (laughs) self ought not to be in the office. I don't know. Social awareness. Yeah, exactly. Social norms and also just maturity to understand that some of your authentic self doesn't belong in an office.
0: Right to the point, Sue. I love that. Flip that question back around. So is it inauthentic? If you know you've got this raunchy self, to use your words, you know, if you know you've got these, these idiosyncrasies or whatever it is, and we're not judging anybody's, you know, where we've all got our work to, to be done, right? But if you know that about yourself and you intentionally come and, and filter or put boundaries around that or put up a guard or facade or whatever it is, you, you know, you want to call it so that, you, so that you fit more into the social norms at work, is that inauthentic or is that just good wisdom is it inauthentic to to do that what do you think
3: where my head takes me on that is like this you know someone that's not socially aware may not know that they're not socially aware like it's a it's a catch-22 right so just because Mm -hmm. they spew the first thing that comes from out in every situation you know again we talked about authenticity about your values and your spirit and all these kinds of things like that may not be their value. That may be the idiot in the room. They just may don't know that they're being the idiot in the room. You know. So I think it's not necessarily tied to authenticity. I think they're just not self-aware. Mm-hmm.
7: Just a very subtle reminder that I that that sort of came to mind is when I was when I was twenty three. I got a pretty solid manager job, and one of my colleagues said, "Wow, you're the most." professional and put together individual i've worked with and from that day forward i've tried to be a little more authentic because i realized how much of a facade i was putting on at a young age so that was probably the first genuine coaching tip i ever got just sort of just by you know fluke um and i think you know in the the last 20 years i've just every year have become a more authentic, you know, leader. I love that, Adam. Thanks for sharing that and being vulnerable to
4: say that as well.
0: It's amazing, Licky, uh, your comment about 75% of the young people you're mentoring are seeing counselors, coaches, therapists, whatever. My son's been doing the same thing. He's early 30s, doing it for years. And to your point, I wouldn't have even considered it in my 20s or
4: 30s. Like, oh no, I'm good. I got this. But, I... but, but Kevin, that comes from our upbringing, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our mentors, our parents, our family members, they had their stuff together. So we got to be like them. We got to make sure that our stuff is together as well. So it's. I, I think the younger generation is sees
0: our older generation and goes, you know, that didn't really work out for you guys. We're going to figure this out. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I was going to say they, they really saw us getting messed up, and they said we're not going our way.
7: <laughs> they saw through the facade, and Kevin, it's impossible to lead that generation from using the the tools that got you to where you got to. Like mm-hmm. they, they do, it does not resonate with them. So, from a leadership standpoint, there's a lot to learn. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the, the old command and control leadership styles and, you know, I'm the boss, you do what I say, none of that. I mean, it's, but it's amazing. Licky, you'd agree we've talked to enough potential clients and, uh, and especially the, the ones that tell us about their bosses and it's just like, um, oh, I can't believe how many managers and leaders still try to operate like that. Then goodness. There's a shift taking place, right?
4: Yeah, and you're right. I think I shared that document with you a couple of days ago about lead with compassion. Mm -hmm. And Adam, um, what I do know is when you're leading that younger generation, what they're really looking for is vulnerability, care, and empathy, and compassion. And they'll do whatever you ask them to do at that point, as long as they are feeling heard and listened to. They are hard workers. And one thing I learned, this is I learned this the hard way, I was part of a uh, not-for-profit organization and I was a volunteer. My daughter was actually the employee of that organization. So it, literally, she was my boss. And I had a bunch of different ideas on how to raise money. I was responsible for raising $7 million for that year. I had a bunch of different ideas because that's the way they did it before. And she came up with some really new ideas. I'm going, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. And she looked at me, she goes, dad, trust me. And I trusted her. And we raise more just because it was what I thought was right. And I wasn't, I was in the television, wasn't right. Listening to the other generation and really hearing them and hearing their ideas made a big difference and letting them speak made a big difference as well. So mm-hmm. I remember Kevin, that email we got from that one client where they said, this is the way it is. You don't need to respond to this. I don't want to talk about it. Let's get it done. Yeah. I that one.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs>
4: And just to let you know, the person that the email went to just resigned two days ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. How to blow your employees out the door. In three sentences or less. <laughs> do as I say, this is not up for discussion. Don't ever do it like that again. Oh, here's my
7: resignation letter. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask a question of mm-hmm. Sue and Cindy? Cause I, I feel like I've already learned so much. From everybody on this call, but as a leader, do you identify or do you do you tell your team that you much rather get to the competition and get to the race uh, than have the conversation? Do you do you? And I'm I'm not sure if I'm framing this question quite right, but do you let them know that that's your personality? So they're aware that when you're, you know, when you say, hey, how was your weekend, that you're actually working at something? Do they know that about you?
2: My team does. Um, So I've just been here a little over a year and I had already met Likki and Kevin and been through a lot of their um, program. So the first week I was here, we did the whole blind spot questionnaire and then I did the manager's workbook with them. And I started with who I was, how I do things, why I do things the way I do. And it, and it partly was done because we're a hybrid situation. And it was also to develop a level of trust with them and what my expectations were. So it was, one, they had to do their jobs. I didn't know how they did their jobs. Each one of us has a different job here and we each cover different things. So that was part of it, was that I trusted them to do their job. But then when I heard that they weren't doing their job, then we'd address it. But up to that point, I was trusting that they were doing their job. So I was very authentic with them. And I did, I told them who I was and how I operated and that they won't get uh, long emails from me.
1: (laughs) I have uh, certainly shared that I'm a bit focused when I work, when I'm busy. And people now, like around here, you know, they'll say, oh, Sue's busy. And then I know that I've got my competitive face on. So then I stop and I go, hey, everybody, how are you doing? And it's a big joke around here now. But in past employment, there was a a, a large career move that I could have, should have, would have. But it wasn't my time. It wasn't my position. Otherwise, I would have got it. But I lost it strictly because I was unaware of my blind spots. And I had a, a reputation that I wasn't aware of around the office, that I was not a team player. I was not, you know, kind of good with people. And it's just because I was completely in my blind spot of being a competitor. And it wasn't that I wasn't nice. It wasn't that I didn't like people. I just... You just never know it from looking at me. (laughs) So now, having worked with this group and and attended these calls and things, I have made that right up front as, hey, everybody, I do this thing when I'm working. And I don't find work is a a social event. Work is work, and I get there to work. So I'm much better, and I definitely have made people aware because it is off-putting to some people.
7: Nice. Does that answer your question, Adam? <laughs> yeah, thank you both for that. That's um, it's so helpful for me in in how I operate. I think it's so much easier, Sue. Like I just met you today, to follow you as a competitor, but someone you seem very easy to follow. So as a leader, you must uh, you must have seen a big shift in how your team responds to you. And Cindy, you know, open book right out of the gate. Like, that's how you build trust. Those are two awesome, awesome tips. Thank you. And Adam, to your uh, last comment right there
0: about Cindy, and that's how you build trust. We're at the top of the hour. And so it's (laughs) uh, it's time once again to say goodbye. But before we do, I just put a link in the chat if you're all interested. Some of you have already done this. Cindy, I know you just said you've done it, but we offer what we call the Blind Spot Assessment Conversation Guide. And that's for leaders to, uh, to walk you through. it Teaches you and shows you how to walk through having a really meaningful conversation about blind spots that actually creates and begins building a foundation of trust through <laughs> <and> vulnerability. Thanks, <laughs> Steve's Steve. holding it up. <laughs> I've can't, it. Yeah, I can't do that. You I, want to I, download? I, go ahead, Licky. Sorry. No,
4: I, I, before you do it with the team, just make sure you read your own potential blind spots and understand what yours are first. That makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So down uh, do the blind spot assessment, download the conversation guide. And if you want Licky and I to be part of that conversation with your teams, we are always happy to do that as a complimentary uh, way of introducing ourselves to your teams as well. So, hey everybody, it's been a great conversation about authenticity and uh, love all the input. Thanks for being here. We look forward to having you every Thursday or any Thursday that you can make it available to join us at the Blind Spots Awareness Leadership Forum. Until next week, bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, Please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward audience. We hope to see you there.